session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good evening and welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. But I do have a special guest tonight who I'll be introducing to you shortly. So if you do call, please have all questions addressed to her. Um, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number, 310-441-0555. So I'm joined tonight by a Vancouver-based therapist, Mariam Rolami, and she is going to be talking about a very important topic that all of us have to deal with on a daily basis, which is making decisions. And there's so much that goes into making decisions, making good decisions, and even what does a good decision mean? And we'll be getting into some of those topics together, but let me tell you a bit more about her. So Maria Wolami is a therapist in the Vancouver, Canada area. She does individual therapy with adults and young adults, including university students, focusing on a variety of issues, including anxiety and existential issues. She also does relationship counseling, um, for relationships with partners and also family members, friends, co-workers and supervisors and career counseling. She also works as a therapist doing abortion counseling and there she assists people with making the very important decisions related to abortion and pre and post abortion counseling. And it's some of that experience that makes her so well equipped to talk about the topic of decision making but first let me welcome her on the show i am thank you for joining me tonight thank you Farid, for having me on your show it's a pleasure to be here great yes and so this topic is so important and um, we were talking a lot about what you experience and what you've learned working mm -hmm. with um, people who are going through an, the decision of whether to have an abortion or not and because of that um, we wanted to talk about making decisions in general. So maybe you can talk a bit about that as part of your job. What made you want to talk about this topic? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, as part of my job, I spend a lot of time helping clients make decisions, um, you know, with abortion as well, but also with their careers, relationships, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, university um, issues as well. And so, I, you know, I find that decision-making can really apply to a wide range of life events, um, you know, the kind of work that we want to do, where we want to live, whom we date or marry. And so I find the topic comes comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes people talk about that we as individuals are a collection of our memories or that can help make our identity and who we are. But in a lot of ways, our life is and who we become is shaped by the decisions we make, what we choose to do and not to do. The, as you mentioned, the careers we choose, who we choose to be with and not be with and have in our lives, really it helps create who we are. And we're going to get into some of that. And so there's three main topics you wanted to cover today. The first one was the different things that can impact, impact our ability to make decisions. And then the second one is how to make better decisions or decisions we feel better about. And then the last one is how to teach our children and teens to make decisions and set them up for better decision-making in the future. Very important topic because I think parents, there's so many challenging things they face, but one is how to help their kids become 
independent, self-reliant, and believe in themselves to make decisions as they're getting older. But let's start with that first topic of mm -hmm. different things that can impact um, our ability to make decisions. And I'll let you start us off. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, first off, decisions, decision making can be really hard. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's this um, this concept in psychology, which is called the rational choice theory, um, that kind of assumes that when we do make decisions, we have all the information we need mm -hmm. uh, to make that choice. But that's really often not true. A lot of the time we're going based on uh, very limited information. Uh, we have a lot of blind spots. We um, have to make guesses, um, trying to predict the future. And that can be really, really tough. Um, also, sometimes we think, you know, that um, our preferences or values uh, our priorities are stable, that they don't change, our goals don't change, so who we are sometimes doesn't change, and that's also not true as mm -hmm. well. And so they can make um, diff making decisions really hard because we look back on a decision from years ago and we think, oh, I would have made a different choice. But sometimes our goals change, you know, sure. we change, um, our priorities change, mm -hmm. and that can make decision-making even even harder. Um, we try to kind of think, try to make decisions that we think we can kind of stand by for, for years to come and really that's not often often reality mm -hmm. um also you know decision making can be really hard because we feel or we think that we've got all the time in the world to make choices but so often even with really important decisions there's a limited amount of time that we have to make that choice we have to make snap decisions um and and that can make it really really challenging sure. as well mm -hmm. and the, also this idea that we have this unlimited, you know, computational capacity, meaning that we can think of our choices um, that may have mul like lots of different factors right. and think that we actually have the ability to be able to look at all those factors, weigh them, you know, weigh, weigh the importance of each one, um, weigh them accordingly. And, and also that's, we actually don't, our, our brains can really only kind of factor in um, uh, just a limited number of factors at a given time. And so we just simply don't always have the brain power, at least consciously, mm -hmm. um, to make really complex decisions. Right. And I think, yeah, that last part you added consciously, because we know unconsciously, a lot of times our brain is actually affecting our decision making much more than we realize. And sometimes can do a very good job because it can at times aggregate or take in many different pieces of information at the same time. Um, and also something that really struck me when you were talking about making decisions now versus 10 years from now is remembering that when it comes to making decisions, it's very complex and it's very much an individual thing. And even further than individual, an individual in that moment. So when we're giving advice or uh, trying to take advice or talking about decisions, we have to be aware of two decisions, even if they might look the same on the surface, can be very different because of those individuals and the different contexts that they are in, mm -hmm. can make the same decision or what seems like the same decision very different. And we have to be aware of that, that when we look at someone's life and we think, well, I wouldn't have done that. Well, if you were in their shoes and in their experience and in that moment, you don't know what you would have done. And what, what is the right thing is also not going to be the same. Yeah, it's going to feel very differently. Um, you know, when we make decisions, we are not being really completely rational. Mm -hmm. That's okay. We have emotions. We um, have ourselves to think about. We have other people we want to consider, um, the environment and different different um, uh, factors. And so it can be quite, quite complex. Sure. And that's the thing is, you know, because they're so complex and of course, we wouldn't, we're not talking about easy decisions because if they're easy, then we don't have to think about it too much. We're talking about hard decisions, which means um, both decisions maybe seem good or both might seem bad 
or they can affect the course of your life significantly. And so that becomes difficult to make that decision. And when things become difficult, unfortunately, one of the ways we try to cope with that or deal with that is to avoid making the decision. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, we um, we have, we tend to want to avoid making difficult or complex decisions mm -hmm. um, because, you know, that makes sense. The, pr the process of making a difficult decision can be difficult. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes it can be exciting, but oftentimes it's nerve wracking. It's the process of making a complex and a very important decision is full of fear and anxiety and, and guilt and fear of making the wrong choice and regretting it later. Um, that we might have a really overwhelming sense of responsibility or, or the weight of the decision is really on our shoulders. Mm -hmm. And no one wants to be in that position, right? right. It, it, it's hard. And we kind of want to tend to avoid those, those negative or what right. we call negative, you know, feelings. Sure. And, and also because things can be so uncertain and they almost, they're going to be, you don't know exactly how things are going to play out. We want to avoid making that decision because there's so much anxiety tied into, well, what if I make the wrong choice mm -hmm. or what if I go in the wrong direction or pick the wrong person or whatever the decision might be, we want to avoid making it because then we have to deal with the consequences. And then there is that fear of getting it wrong and dealing with it and maybe blaming yourself or hearing I told you so or whatever else comes with the consequences of that decision mm -hmm. can be so overwhelming that we'd rather avoid it. But the interesting thing is, um, every moment we don't make the decision, that itself is a decision. Inaction is, in a way, an action or a decision. To say, I'm not going to do something today is also, and people might not think of that if, okay, I need to look for a job. Did I apply for anything? So I didn't do anything. No, you made a decision to not apply for any jobs today. You know, mm -hmm. it might not seem like it was an active decision in that way, but it is a decision nonetheless. Absolutely. Yeah, we tend to um, kind of fool ourselves into thinking yeah. that, oh, um, I'm not going to make a decision. But yes, exactly. That in itself is a decision as well. Absolutely. And so we, we want to kind of remove the sense of responsibility, therefore removing the potential to feel guilt, mm -hmm. the potential to feel regret. And those can be really powerful emotions. Absolutely. So it, it makes sense. It's tough. That's the thing. We know The reason why we're talking about it tonight is because we know how difficult it is for everyone, us included, of course, to make big decisions and so it's worth talking about and looking at and it brings up really big emotions which is why we might avoid it but then unfortunately of course the problem itself doesn't go away and those emotions actually can become worse because now you have that anxiety of not making the decision and what's happening and, and all that. Yeah well the decision is made for you. Mm -hmm. I mean sometimes when we don't make a decision that decision is made by somebody else for us mm -hmm. so we're just really removing our voice, um, yeah. our choice. In yeah. the matter, mm -hmm. but you know um, there can be. You know, we talked about the the why you would want to avoid making difficult choices, mm -hmm. but it is a it is a fact of life, and so there can be really a lot of benefits sure. to making difficult decisions that we often tend to ignore or not really hear about or pay attention to. And something that I find in my practice um, when I'm helping people make those complex choices is that it really can give us an opportunity to really reflect on who we are making those hard choices. You know, what are my values? What are my goals and priorities? Mm -hmm. um, what is the kind of life that I want to live? And so it kind of, I find, puts, a, puts this kind of pause button on our life where we just really have to stand for a moment and think about what is the direction that I want my life to take? Mm -hmm. Kind of being really active about our life and about what we do. And that can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, again, going back to the... I was making earlier of why we can't make a decision for someone else is that mm. 
it is so important for that person to make the decision that's the right one for them. And I think when it comes to big decisions, we should take a step back and think of our values. Who am I? Who do I want to be? Who do I want to become? Uh, because those can be big, they can help us make that decision in that context of understanding this is what I want. And that's why two people, you know, I'm thinking of someone who gets a job offer where they have to leave their family eight months out of the year. Mm -hmm. There might be one man who being, uh, you know, their career is the most important thing in their life. So they want to go. And there's another man who says, you know, being a father and a husband is always the most important thing I wanted. So for me, the, the, the decision doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. And so two people with the same decision on the surface, but because of who they are, it might make sense for them to make two different decisions that are more aligned with who they are and who they want to be and what they want their life to look like. So when we're looking at all the factors, sometimes we think of these external things of, okay, well, this job has these pros and cons and this job has these pros and cons, but there's a lot more of that internal, how much, how much does this align with who I am? Yeah. And what are, what do those pros and cons mean to me? Right. How much weight would I give mm -hmm. um, this, this pro and con, you know, for example, like going back to your example of moving someplace, well, I'd have to leave my friends, I'd have to leave my family, mm -hmm. my community, but there's this career advancement. What are my values? You know, do I value having that community around me? Mm -hmm. Or do I value um, risk-taking and starting over? Um, yeah, and, and every person is going to respond to that question differently. Right. You know, some, something a friend of mine once told me that's kind of stayed with me is, he says, you know, I can tell you what to do. But if I were in your shoes, I'd, I'd probably do something different from what uh -huh. I tell you, right? <laughs> yeah. And that showed he probably had an awareness of you and who you are and could recognize himself that he would want this. But the way he knew you, he understood that you would want something different than from what he wants, which doesn't mean either one of them are wrong. But we, of course, want to make what will be the right choice for us, which is a very individual thing. Um, and I think that's also reminds me of when people go to therapy, sometimes they think, well, someone's going to tell me what to do with my life mm. and they're going to make decisions for me. But really, um, they can be maybe disappointed, at least in the moment, to find that usually that's not what you're going to get with most therapists, where they're going to hopefully guide you more within yourself to understand what decision is right for you, but they're not going to make it for you. And you deal with people who are making, of course, a very serious decision when it comes to abortion. And I'm sure you might have some feelings and things that come up for you, but your, my guess is guiding them towards finding the right decision for them. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, um, yes, yeah, the process, yeah, um, it, it's, it does depend. I think especially in our culture and in the Persian culture, there's this mm -hmm. misconception that I'm going to go to therapy, I'm going to be told what to do. Right. Some people kind of like that idea, others don't. Um, but you're right in that, you know, I think therapy is really, especially with decision making, it's about what are the right kinds of questions that um, as a therapist I can ask mm -hmm. to help the client get to know themselves more, what's more important to them. Mm -hmm. um, it's, so it's really about right, asking the right types of questions right. rather than telling them what to do because yeah. you never can. You're not in, the, in their shoes. Right. And, you know, even hearing you say that, it's helping them hear their own voice more because especially with big decisions and in most cultures, Iranian, but also outside, they're going to be hearing a lot of other voices. You should do this or you mm -hmm. can't do that or I can't believe you'd even think of this or that and all those things that can drown out or really affect their ability to hear themselves. And so a big part of therapy is kind of trying to take those voices out and you don't want to introduce yourself as a new voice saying you should do this, you should do this, you have to do this. In my expert opinion, you know, whatever else might be the weight behind it and say I'm going to help you hear your own voice um, and that's going to be 
my way of getting you to hear yourself to then make your choice for you. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think therapy and decision making, it should be a process that empowers us, that empowers the client. And so especially going through the process of making a difficult decision Mm -hmm. can be a really empowering experience. It's not something that we have to avoid. And, um, you know, seeing a therapist who can um, help you, guide you, can Mm -hmm. be empowering instead of telling you what to do, which can be the opposite of that disempowering. Absolutely. And that's something that uh, relates to what we might get into near the end of the show related to working with your kids as a parent when it comes to making decisions and how you can empower them rather than take that power and voice away. I'm joined tonight by Vancouver-based therapist Mariam Wolami. We are talking about decision-making. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dulaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back again, my guest tonight, therapist Mariam Kolami, we are talking about decision-making, and we talked a lot about lots of things related to it, but um, we're going to get into now some things that might impact our ability to make decisions, which so many different factors are involved with it that we won't obviously get to all of them, but some major ones, especially from a psychological perspective. So where should we start there? Yeah, we, we, we tend to think that when we make decisions, we're completely rational, that we're really just thinking about the choices we have, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that nothing else is influencing it, but really that's not the case. So one of the things that can impact our, um, how we make a decision is really the mood. It's called affect heuristic, which is another fancy word for the mood that we're in when mm-hmm. we make that choice. So what we found is that if we are in a negative mood, and we're kind of um, trying to look at a decision, we tend to see the risks more or pay attention more to the risks and really minimize the benefits that might come from making that choice. And um, opposite to that, if we're feeling quite happy, we're in a positive mood, thinking about the same choice, we then kind of tend to um, notice the benefits of it more than than the risks mm-hmm. of, of that decision. Which is interesting because people... Um, they'll say think positive, like that's something you'll hear a lot, right? Like, oh, think of the bright side. But sometimes I, I know they've found that people can be overly optimistic and make bad choices because they're seeing only the good and not looking at the risk. So being positive isn't always good when it's not really connected to the reality of the situation. And that can happen if you're in a great mood and feeling good. You're like, yeah, that's going to work out or whatever's on your mind. We say, yeah, of course, why wouldn't it work out? And because you're so skewed, you know, we might think of our, brain as something that's just like taking in information but there's a lot of things happening uh top down or you know from the way we feel affecting what we see on the outside and so even though the negative mood sounds like a bad thing sometimes we know when we're in negative mood we can be a little more realistic too depending but the lens the color of the lens definitely affects what we see so our mood in general does affect it but taking that a step further depression can also affect our, our decision making. Exactly. Yeah. So if we're kind of going through a bout of depression, you know, we find that uh, when we're feeling depressed, we can be a little bit more passive, a little bit more listless. Um, and that can make us indecisive. It can make it harder for us to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oftentimes when we're feeling um, uh, depressed, we, we tend to be less hopeful about the future. We tend to feel more helpless, you know, have maybe lower self-esteem. And so um, during those times, if we're thinking about making a choice, we tend to be more risk averse because mm-hmm. we can't 
handle another loss. So we want to really minimize the losses that we may experience. So again, uh, it's kind of similar to being in a negative mood, but we tend to um, not want to take risks, you know, and, and avoid doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, depression is not exactly an exaggerated down mood, but it's some ways, I mean, a simplified version would be that. So it makes sense related to what you were saying before that we see the negative more, we're going to doubt ourselves more, be more down on ourselves, expect things to go more poorly. Uh, something that was interesting you brought to my attention before the show was how trauma, uh, you know, it makes sense that we would think that it affects our ability to make decisions in relationships and lots of different areas, but there's some research looking at how it actually does affect decision-making. Yeah, so there was um, a study that showed that when we've experienced trauma, we um, are really unable to correctly assess for risk Mm -hmm. and recognize warning signs when they're there for us to see. Uh, The part of our brain that assesses for risk really isn't working properly. So it's kind of like a learning disability um, in that we're unable to process information that assesses that risk, and we tend to, yeah, ignore those those warning signs. This is why, you know, oftentimes if we've had childhood trauma, there's more of a, a likelihood to, you know, engage in criminal activity, you know, have a criminal record, um, experience joblessness and poor health, um, because we, we tend to, yeah, we tend to not see the risks associated with making uh, some choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and as you said, it's actually the brain is affected, which we know, uh, trauma, unfortunately, has so many impacts on the body and the brain, but even it can affect decision-making. And sometimes um, it can make us more prone to making risky decisions because, from my understanding, when you go through trauma, the, the brain goes through this experience of seeing the world as an unsafe place. And so it might seem like it'll make sense to try to do things more quickly, let's say, or engage in riskier behavior because you might not, you don't know how long you'll be around. So it can shift the focus from um, waiting and being more patient to trying to be a little bit more hasty or to get things done in a quicker way. So I think it's interesting to see that difference it had um, on the brain, which makes a lot of sense. And unfortunately, we can see how trauma, we've talked about this on the show before, how of course the trauma itself can be very painful and detrimental in that moment, but it can have lasting effects, unfortunately, to the individual who... Um, experiences that. Is there more on the the trauma? I know it's, you know, there's so much involved in trauma itself. It's not, we say it as one word, but of course it could be so many different things, but I'm sure it has um, impacts on making decisions, even on our ability or wanting to make a decision. Exactly. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit on the show is because, you know, sometimes we've we've made decisions we're not proud of. We've Mm -hmm. made decisions that we really regret things have really impacted our life. And I think it's important to realize that, you know, if we have had a history of trauma, it makes sense sometimes that we um, weren't able to make the best decisions that we could and to kind of really have a little bit more self-compassion for ourselves. Um, But the good news is that we can help train our brains to make better decisions. We can kind of help to activate the part of the brain that recognizes warning signals that recognizes risk there are ways um, to do that um, and to kind of, um, yeah, um, you know, make, make, make better, better decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another one is to really try and as a community uh, limit our exposure to childhood trauma, you know, which includes like affordable housing and nutrition and health insurance. Um, and, and, you know, 
providing people with those things can actually really help towards reducing crime in our in our communities as well. Yeah, just an, and that's another to me example of how to me it's always more humane to take care of people just it's the right thing to do in that moment, but also it has lasting benefits for that individual of course, but even all of society when people are more taken care of and this is yet another example of that that when we people experience trauma unfortunately it can lead to future decisions that might not be as good or harmful mm -hmm. and again also i'm sure there's some correlation that people people of all socioeconomic backgrounds experience trauma but there's probably more of it in lower um, economic community or communities who are experiencing poverty and so of course that's going to continue this cycle and so if we can help those people it will help everyone in that sense as well um, and so also in making decisions and trauma, people who are traumatized oftentimes experience a feeling of powerlessness in that moment, and that could affect making decisions as well. Exactly. Um, you know, in my, in, my, in my practice, I see a lot of people come through who've had histories of trauma, who mm -hmm. grew up in, a, in foster homes, who um, have experienced a lot of discrimination and oppression. And what I notice is that they have a really hard time, you know, exerting their autonomy. Um, you know, when we've had trauma, we've had difficult things, bad things happen to us that were out of our control. Um, and we've had experiences that disregarded our, our autonomy. Mm -hmm. They disregarded our body, our, our personhood. And so we've got to this point where we've learned to accept those bad things happening to us. We've learned to just kind of find a way around it or work with it. And so it's harder for us to believe that we have a choice or we're not used to. Um, having a choice. And so when we're faced with a decision where actually we do have a choice, it just becomes, it's, it's kind of a foreign feeling to think that, oh, I, you know, I can exert, exert my autonomy here. I can make a decision. It mm -hmm. is really um, up to me, but, but it's hard. And so we tend to, um, you know, shy away from that. Again, back to that indecision, thinking that I'm not going to make a choice, but really that is a choice um, mm -hmm. in itself. But, you know, we tend to kind of then be very passive, um, both in our life and in the face of decisions. And, um, yeah, and, and so that's, you know, trauma can kind of impact us in, in that sense, too. Yeah, and this goes back to that um, idea that as a therapist or just as an individual to empower the individual rather than saying, oh, you don't know what to do, I'm going to tell you what to do, um, giving them or showing them that they have the power to make a choice and make the right choice for themselves and to then exert that power in their own life rather than oh you need someone else to tell you what to do so it's again overcoming that feeling of powerlessness which we might reinforce by making the decision for them exactly you know the first step starts with awareness you know <laughs> have i had trauma in my life what is my natural default stance when it comes to making decisions right. do i tend to be more passive do i tend to shy away and if so you know i'm, I'm aware of that and in therapy, you know, you can get some guidance, again, not to tell you what to do, but to empower you to kind of sit with you as mm -hmm. you make those difficult decisions. Mm -hmm. And that can improve our sense of control and autonomy over our life and can be very empowering. Yeah, absolutely. And the next topic is related to that in a way, um, but it's that making decisions themselves takes, you kind of use the word computational capacity, but it takes some brain power and that that itself can be tiring in its own way, something that they call decision fatigue. Exactly, yeah. So making decisions, it it's it's taxing. It's mm -hmm. taxing on our brain. It takes effort. It tires the mind. 
Um, that's why we saw Steve Jobs always go to work wearing a black turtleneck. You know, it's mm-hmm. why we see Mark Zuckerberg always always wearing a great T-shirt. And it's because these are people who make a lot of important decisions. And so if they're trying to think of, well, what am I going to wear today? You really don't have a lot of mental energy left at the end of the day to make those difficult, complex decisions. It does tire our mind. And this is why, you know, people who are in poverty, they're constantly having to make decisions on how to save or spend less money. They go to a grocery store and always trying to figure out, you know, um, how much money do I have? And so we tend to, you know, and, and so they experience actually decision fatigue a lot more than somebody, um, for example, who's not living in poverty, who can just walk into the grocery store and buy whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And it's important um, to to kind of make a note of that because we tend to, you know, we can judge poor people and say, well, how come they're not making better choices long term? Um, how come they're not pulling themselves out of poverty? But if we spent a couple of days in their life mm-hmm. um, having to make those mundane but really important choices every day, um, it's exhausting. And so by the end of the day, when it does come to those longer term decisions, they can really pull somebody out of that situation. There's just really not a lot of mental juice left. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, it relates to when people say, I'll sleep on it, to, on a decision. There's more than probably two, but two things that come to my mind. One is um, this, what you just said, decision fatigue, that it's like, you know, you're making a lot of choices. You want to think about it when you're more clear headed or have some space, but also we know that when we sleep and also just when we take some time away from a problem or situation, our unconscious mind is working through solutions and options and things as well. And that can also definitely happen while we're sleeping. So as much as we just think of it as something people say, like a lot of adages or cliche statements, there's definitely something to it that sleeping on it can be a good way of giving your mind some time to process it and also giving your mind a little break to then think about it once you're a little bit more rested. Um, and, you know, before we came on the air, you mentioned to me some research looking at how language can affect, uh, for, especially for people who are bilingual, affect decision-making that I thought was quite interesting. Maybe you can share that with us. Yeah, this was a fun one for me to um, come across, but there was a study that found that if we're bilingual, so, um, you know, for us and a lot of our listeners, we can speak, you know, we might speak both Farsi and English. Uh, when we make decisions in the less familiar language, we can tend to be sort of, you know, more rational or in better words, kind of more pragmatic about our choices. And we tend to kind of make less emotional decisions and more decisions that are um, sort of better or for the common good. Um, you know, when we do think um, in a less familiar language, you know, our non-native tongue, we're less afraid of losses. Um, more willing to take risks, and and that's partly because we become less emotionally connected mm-hmm. uh, to the decision that we're yeah. That, that was to so make. interesting, and it can make sense to me in that um, when we hear something in that mother tongue, there usually is more intense emotions attached to it, and so the negatives might get maybe it's the amygdala that's firing more. This is scary. This is warning. Something bad is happening. It'll be stronger, so that can affect that decision more. And this also relates in a different way. Of many people I've worked with, even if they are bilingual and speak English very well, when they come to therapy, they say they'd like to speak in Farsi because it's their mother tongue. It's more attached to the feeling, the memories. Even a lot of times, it might be that when the memories were formed, they only spoke Farsi, so they remember the things in that language more. And so it shows that as much as we think of 
that we only we think of things in abstract way, we see how much language actually impacts the way we even think, which is also shown when it comes to emotions and having labels for the emotions and so many different factors. Yeah. Exactly. You know, our native tongue, it's not just a language, but it's associated with the people we love, our friends, our community, our mm-hmm. experiences, uh, the emotional experiences that we've had. And so it's it's more when we're thinking about a decision in our native in our native language, we're more emotionally connected to yeah. the outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is good for us to know because next time we're thinking about making a decision, we can think about, hmm, you know, what language am I thinking in? What, you know, do I want to be a bit more pragmatic or, or emotional and mm-hmm. so on? Yeah. And, and so, and to me, actually, it doesn't mean just think of things in your non-native tongue or anything like that, but the importance of looking at things from different angles, but in, this is a different way of thinking about different angles is different languages, even different moods you're in, you know, we're talking about. So that's why it could be good to give yourself some time when it comes to making a decision of be, putting yourself in different states to see how you'll respond, different languages, different perspectives. And while at the same time, and this always, you know, therapists, that seems like they're telling you one thing and they tell you to do the exact opposite, but not waiting either necessarily an unlimited amount of time because the decision is scary to make and eventually you have to make that choice. So it's always about finding that balance of giving yourself the time to process it a bit and come to a decision, but then also recognizing that at some point you're going to have to make a decision and you might not feel 100% about that decision because we rarely do, especially if it's a hard decision, but then going ahead with that. And we'll get into in the last segment a bit about making better decisions and how um, we can try to go about doing that. Again, I'm joined by Vancouver-based therapist, Mariam Kualamu. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm joined tonight by therapist Mariam Kualamu, and we're talking about making decisions. And so in this last segment, we're trying to get into two different topics, one about making quote-unquote better decisions and then also working with your parents uh, as parents working with your kids and teens about that but um even when we talked about it you made sure to put it in quotes in your notes about making better decisions because it's hard to even say exactly what that means um but maybe you can share some of your thoughts on that when it comes to trying to make the best decision you can in a given moment Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, oftentimes when we think about making good decisions or, or, yeah, better, better decisions, we usually pay attention to the content of a decision. So, for example, um, you know, where are the pros and cons of each choice? How is it going to impact me? So all that is the content. But something we often forget about is the process of actually going through and making the decision. And that can be just as important in terms of how we uh, how we rate a decision, how we feel about a decision that we've made. And so it's really important to, to think about or to pay attention to the process of that. So for example, it could be questions such as, who do I want to be during this decision-making process? Mm-hmm. You know, what do I want to keep in mind as I make this decision? Um, and, you know, for example, you might think, I want to be a moral person as I make this decision. I want to be strong. Well, what would it mean for you to be strong as you're going through this choice? Would it mean that, you know, I want to be someone who is, who takes risks or someone who faces up to stigma or someone who, um, uh, yeah, shows resilience, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, so, for example, if we if we kind of have an example of of moving cities, uh, you know, what would it mean to to be strong while I make this decision? Does it mean I'm going to you know be fearless? I'm going to take chances. I'm going to take risks. I'm going to try something new. And so, you know, or for example, you know, do I want to be kind as I make this decision? Is it kind to myself, kind to others? What would that mean? And it's important to think about the decision-making process and what, you, how you want to be, who you want to be as you're making it because that can tell us, that can really impact how we feel about a decision because we can't predict outcomes. Mm-hmm. We can't predict what's going to happen. But looking back on a decision years later, you can think to yourself, well, you know what? Um, I really thought about my values as I made that choice. I really um, um, thought about who I want to, who wanted to be as I made mm-hmm. that choice. Yeah, and I think that's why, again, it becomes an individual thing. And in the first segment, I think we we're talking about thinking about your values and who you are, who you want to be as very important parts of the decision-making. Because I think a lot of times when people think pros and cons, it's usually more these tangible outside things like, okay, this job has, this is a salary, the benefits, this, this, the commute from work and all these things, which are very important, but there can be things about who you are that might be important. For example, while the job involves, you know, taking my supervisor's job, who I respected and who I feel like would be unfair, da, 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 whatever else it might be. And as much as I think, well, that's just an emotional thing, but that's very important. We live our lives to make decisions that will make us feel good or feel fulfilled in our life. It's not just about making more money or those kinds of things. And even if we think about making more money, the end result is because we think it'll make us happier or feel good or whatever it is. But it's not emotional or irrational to take into account our feelings about things, how we're going to feel about it, how we think we'll feel about the decision that we make, to me actually is a rational part of making the decision. Or in a romantic relationship, how the person makes you feel, that emotion, those emotions, plural, because there's a lot of different things, is very important in who you choose to be with. So of course, there should definitely be the rational side of looking at logistics and other things that are very important, but we can't ignore our feelings to do so to me actually be irrational in making a decision to try to put feelings away because they are such a significant part and will have such an impact on what's going to happen as the result of our decision. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we tend to think that decisions that are made rationally or logically are better decisions, mm-hmm. but that's definitely not the case. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, decisions can be emotional and that's okay because we're impacted by our, by our emotions. We might make a decision to feel better, for example, to feel more connected, to feel more pleasure, and that's okay. You know, we can make a decision um, to avoid feeling worse, for example, not feeling socially ostracized or not feeling um, bad about ourselves, about mm-hmm. uh, about who we are. And that's, that's definitely okay as well. Yeah. And I think this is also, again, where it comes to that complexity, and I was saying, so as, as therapists, it can seem like we're saying two things at the same time because yes our identity and who we are is very important but sometimes we have to be aware of what we might be telling ourselves is our identity is our comfort zone so someone might say i don't want to take risks i'm not a risk-taking person but they might be limiting things they're doing in their life because of that things they actually do want so let's say i want they want to have that promotion or they want to have this different job but they're afraid to take that risk but then they have to be aware of, am I just telling myself, well, I'm not a risk-taking person because I'm just afraid and I actually really do want that job or I do want to do this or that. And so this is where self-awareness is this ongoing 
process where we're not just like, well, now I know myself, I'm not a risk taker. It's like, well, no, maybe I'm choosing not to be a risk taker for lots of reasons that I can understand better that might impact the way I make future decisions. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, again, decision-making gives us an opportunity to really pause and think about who am I? Mm-hmm. What are the kinds right. of decisions I've made? And do I want to continue to be this type of person? Do I want to continue to be risk averse, for example, or do I want to shake things up a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and exactly as you said, we're sometimes not really aware of what we want. So Absolutely. sometimes our, 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 we try to think of something rationally, but really, if we think about it emotionally, it gives us more of an insight into what we really want and who right. we are. And so I think it's really, ideally, you want to use a mix of both intuition and, and rational thinking to make what we call a better or good decision, quote yeah. unquote. Right. Yeah. It's, it is so complicated because, um, you know, even you're saying like what to decide or sometimes we think we know why we made a decision, but we don't see the intuitive parts of it. So they've done studies where, for example, people will try jam, like, you know, types of fruit preserves or jams and they'll taste it and they'll rate them. And they'll find that when people just taste them and instantly make a rating or ranking, they're pretty good at matching what actually like world-class food tasters will, how they'll rank the different jams. But then when they tell them to wait and describe why each one was good and they start thinking about it too much, they actually then don't become as good as when they were just letting themselves trust it. Because when you think about it, if you taste something, it tastes good to you or it doesn't. You don't have to describe what it is. Or if you see a painting, you either enjoy looking at it and find it pleasant or you don't, or you hear music. But sometimes when we try to think about it and we try to make it, we rationalize it too much, we actually lose that connection to what's more important, which in that moment is what you feel with that, whatever it is, moment, uh, music, art, taste, whatever it might be. It is tricky. You know, we yeah. can um, we can rationalize away anything, even yeah. bad decisions, oh, right? Yeah. So like you said, oftentimes we're thinking about something too much. It actually moves us away from what we really feel connected to and close mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about, you know, completely making decisions emotionally. It's about really kind of um, being aware of, of the impact of those right. things and kind of trying to use a mix of both. Right. Um, both, yeah, both Yeah, factors. I mean, I think usually... Uh, that's the best is like when we integrate whatever we're talking about. So integrating the emotions and the rational and together making that best decision, but realizing that thinking that rational is the only thing that matters when we're making a decision is actually not true. Um, and you, when you do that, usually you're not aware of how much the emotions are playing a part of guiding you in a certain direction. You know, we have a few minutes left and, um, we won't really get to talk about all there is to talk about this topic and especially this next part of this topic, which is when it comes to your kids, because I know a lot of times parents can have issues of, well, how do I help my kid, my teenager make decisions? Um, and it, like many things as well, you have to let them do it to mm-hmm. let them get that. But what are some of your thoughts on that of helping? What can parents think about when it comes to helping their kids with this? Yeah, um, we know when it comes to raising children, we don't often think about, well, how do I make my children? How do I make him or her become a better decision maker? It's not really on our minds, but it's something that's very helpful because our kids are going to grow up. They are going to make their own decisions. And there are ways that we can help support them um, and teach them to become better decision makers. We tend to, um, you know, make a lot of decisions for our kids, especially when they're younger, because it's just it's faster, it's easier, less headache for us, seems more efficient. Mm-hmm. But really taking a, a, an opportunity away from our children from learning to make these decisions by themselves. Right. So, um, you know, when we do give our kids a chance to make decisions, we really um, there's also an increase in sense of cooperation. 
So for example, I use the example of, um, you know, we're at the park, uh, we want to leave, our kids starts crying, no, I don't want to go home. And so if we offer them a choice of, you know, we're going home, do you want to walk home or ride in the stroller? Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll te- they tend to sort of accept the fact that we're going home and think, oh, I'm presented with a choice here. I'm going to choose what to do. Gives them an increased sense of autonomy. There's more cooperation, less resistance, and it can really make parenting easier. Uh, yeah, I've, I've worked with a lot of parents and things like bedtime come up or different rules. And I always tell them, rather than just dictating it to them, make it a conversation. And conversation doesn't mean if the kid says, I want my bedtime to be two in the morning, you make it two in the morning, but you have a conversation and let them know their input is important. So they feel like they, what they have to say does matter. But going back to what you're saying, it's, we have to allow our kids to make decisions. Um, something I talk about on the show is the mindset some parents have, which is the pain prevention philosophy Mm -hmm. of parenting, which is that my only role as a parent is to avoid pain for my kid. And that's actually taking away a lot of room for growth for your child, opportunities for growth. And one of them is letting them make decisions and sometimes even live with whatever the consequences, good or bad, not taking them away. So a lot of parents will say, I'll let my kid make the decision, but then when it doesn't go out, I'm going to go fix it for them or take care of it for them. And that doesn't actually give them the experience of making decisions and living with the consequences of those decisions. And then growing from that process, we take away an opportunity for growth rather than we might think we're giving them something. Exactly. You know, and um, there are consequences to decisions as they Mm -hmm. get older. So it's better for them to experience negative emotions, experience the pain of those um, uh, regretted choices when they're smaller and when the stakes are a lot less. Absolutely. You know, so something a parent can do, for example, is, you know, at breakfast time, you offer your kids, say, cereal or waffles. They make a choice. Whatever it is, give it to them, you know, and if they change your mind, then that's that's, that's kind of too too bad, you know. Um, it's a small decision. Um, they kind of have, they're stuck with whatever choice they make. But yeah, show them that there are consequences. Right. And let them live with that and they can handle it is another thing to remember as a parent. And like you said, I'd rather a child make the quote unquote wrong choice when it comes between cereal or waffles for breakfast rather than waiting to let them try to make wrong choices when it's like what to major in school or who to marry. And also another thing is when you don't give them the opportunity to make the decision, you're indirectly giving them the message that you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's the right choice. I have to make it for you. You're not going to know what to do. And then how do we expect them once they're older? And like you said, the stakes are higher. And it's more important to trust themselves. We take away completely their confidence in themselves. So from a young age, give them that confidence. They're going to get it wrong sometimes, just like we all still get it wrong, even as adults. But give them that opportunity to make mistakes, live with the consequences. Talk about even afterwards, what happened? What do you think it was? Okay, what do you think you would do next time? What do you think it was that made you make that decision? all in a non-judgmental way, not making them feel bad about it, but giving them that opportunity to have those uh, experiences. You know, we are out of time, so there's so much more we can talk about Mm -hmm. on this topic. And I'm so happy that um, a Vancouver-based therapist, Mariam Kholami, joined me tonight to talk about this. She had brought up this topic with me, um, and maybe we'll have to have her back on to talk more about uh, various aspects of decision-making, something that we all have to deal with. It's never going to be easy when they're hard choices by definition, but um, we want to see how we can make it at least easier. But thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Again, big thanks to Mariam Kholami and also a thank you to Amir here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delakwi. Have a wonderful night. 